Hello, and welcome to another episode of Quilt Buzz, the podcast featuring your favorite folks from across the Quiltiverse. I'm Amanda of Broadcloth Studio, and I'm joined by Wendy, the weekend quilter. Hey. And our special guest, Daisy of Daisy Togel. Hello. Now, before we jump into all our quilty fun today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Daisy? Yes, I am Daisy Togo. I live in New Jersey with my husband. I have three cats and one hamster, and I'm a quilt pattern designer, and I also design bags. And so we also know you as Flower Sew Patterns. So what's the story behind the brand name? All right, so the name is Daisy, right? Although it's with I in the end, not Y, it's still Daisy. And my husband started calling me when we were dating my flower. So that stuck. And when we finally moved in to live together and all, so I was doing something or when I started sewing, he would be like, oh, what is my flower doing? And then, and then at some point I would say, your flower is sewing, your flower is sewing. So when I finally got a business, it was flower sew, the best name I could ever find. <laughs> That is so sweet. Does he still call you Flower? Um, not as often anymore. Oh. Must have been here here. <laughs> Do we need to help us out? <laughs> no. <right. laughs> no. <Yeah>. <laughs> so, could you tell us how Flower So became uh, came about? So, from bag making, selling them at local craft shows, to quilts, and now designing your own patterns for people to follow. Yes. Yeah, so when I started. Um, I actually was working here um, from my inter inter exchange. That's what I came here for eight years ago, and then I finished that inter exchange. Started working at a company on my financial area and everything, but I wanted to do something else because I always like crafting. So I started sewing bags because I was watching YouTube videos on bag making in Brazil. I'm from Brazil. I don't know if I said that, but um, it's very big bag making, much more than quilting. Quilting is um, not. I'm not going to say rare, but it's much, much less. So I wanted to make bags because of that. And then I started making these bags that was following the tutorials, but I wanted to make bags with the features that I like, like more pockets or more zippers or flaps and stuff like that. So I started drawing uh, some patterns. I mean, I didn't even know what I was doing, but I cut the templates and everything and I made it. And they were like simple fabric bags, no, no vine or anything, nothing fancy. And at some point I had enough that I could go to a craft show. So I did that the first time. I loved it. Of course, it was just for me to get to know what it was, but I liked it. And then I kept going and that lasted for three years. And then, of course, COVID hit and all of that was over. And then I made a lot of masks for hospitals and also for selling. And at some point I was like, you know, I need to learn something new. So I started going on YouTube again for quilting because I was just following a lot of like the American content and UK content and all this quilting content that's not so common in Brazil. So I was like, okay, I have to try this. So I went to uh, one of the, the videos from Jenny from Missouri Quilt Star. There was this one block like she always does. And then you can make as many as you want to make the quilt. And the quilt, and then I made a quilt, uh, just the quilt top. And it was huge. And I could never quilt that. 
<laughs> and then I'm like, okay, um, I'll put it away. So I put that away, but I made more and kept going. And then that one is the only quilt that I have that is long-armed because I cannot do that on my own. So that's how it, it went from bags to quilts. <laughs> yeah, how big was that first yeah. quilt? <laughs> um, I think it was 90 by 78, something like that. I could never do it my own, wow. on my own. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like a queen because size quilt. Because I put quilt. borders and all. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm getting too much here. But yeah. well, that's really impressive. And I'm glad that you actually took that along to a long arm quilter because it sounds like a yes. very special quilt. Yes. I always love when you hear people like their first quilt is a queen size or a king size and they like, decide to hand quilt or not hand quilt it, but quilt it on their domestic. And I was oh like, how? I, I would never have kept quilting if I had started off at that yeah. size. That would have totally put me off. Yeah. I know my limit. I know yeah. my laziness. So do you still vendor at um, local craft shows? Yes, not as many as I used to do before COVID, but now I try to go at least to two per season, which are spring and fall. That's still, that's a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, of course, because I still have like inventory and then sometimes I try to add a little bit, but most is just like what I try to keep bringing until I have enough, um, that is, that's few enough for me to make more, if it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. makes sense. So I'm assuming that now that you are quilting, the it's started to like funnel through in your shop front as well. So it's not just bags, but you also have quilts too. Yes, yes. I, I try to make mini quilts, baby quilts. Um, I don't sell anything bigger than baby quilt just because yeah. it's a lot of commitment. Oh, yeah. For um, sure. Time commitment. Yeah. <laughs> and then I also have just like little things now that's easier, like keychains and key fobs and little baggies and stuff like that. Not the big ones that I used to do in the past anymore. For someone who's, you know, thinking about or has never sold at a craft uh, show before and is thinking about getting into it, do you have any advice or tips or tricks about how to get into that whole world? Yes, I would say that Pinterest, as we know, is good for everything, especially for booth inspiration. So I use that a lot. And on those pictures, you can see what people are selling. So that's a good idea to see what is in the market. Not that you want to do anything that other people are doing, because that's very common to happen. But that's good for inspiration for booth. And then Facebook is good for the shows. So you can see uh, on your location where like craft shows and then you put your location and there's certainly going to be a, a group on Facebook. So you can see what's being advertised, what's happening, like the booth fees and stuff like that. And I would say that Etsy is also good to see what type of projects depend on what niche you are. So that's also good just to see what people has listed. That's really interesting. I would have not considered any of those three avenues for each of those different um, considerations. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the questions I had um, when you mentioned about like, you know, going on Facebook and looking at the different craft shows that are out there, um, you know, what are sort of the aspects or things that make you decide to actually vendor there? Because it is a huge commitment every single time, um, you know, that you you collect all your stuff and, you know, set up and everything. And like you said, to actually... um, you know, vendor that you have to pay a booth fee. So um, how do you make that decision um, in which show to feature your stuff? So there is a little bonus here because I have gone to so many shows. So I know what works, what doesn't. And I do think that for us that do quilted goods or sewing goods, it is pretty much the same. So schools, you got to think about the type of event. So when people go to schools, they want to buy um, paper crafts. They want to buy um um, food, you know, like even if it's for gifting types of chocolate boxes and stuff, they don't want to buy handmade stuff. That's what I have noticed, at least in New Jersey. Then when you go to a street fair, people want to buy food. That's it. 
And if they have a little kid, they're going to buy a toy. But now church, uh, any religious center, uh, anything that's art related, like an art center or anything, people go for art. And the church thing is for gifting, if you think, because people are there because they're doing that for the community. And it's generally in the end of the year or right after um winter, spring and all. So these shows that are not focused on kids and not focused on eating, they are the shows for us. So that's the first thing. I don't know if I'm getting out of the question you made, but the whole thing is that, that I wanted to say is that you, um, you have to know exactly what you want to sell. And just because, you know, like my thing is just, I want to sell stuff that nobody else is going to find anywhere else. I have never seen it on any website because it's just my design or I have never seen it in other booths like the the little mini quotes I make. People have like traditional stuff and then I'll go a little more modern. So when you do that stuff, that's just you uh, there that people see you for being uh, unique. Oh, it's it's very likely they're going to sell it. So I don't know if I answered your question, but I just wanted to say about the term of being unique and choosing the right place to go. No, that totally makes sense. Now, so you mentioned earlier that, you know, you've written both uh, patterns for bags and for quilts. And so Wendy and I are pretty familiar with the the quilting pattern writing process. But, you know, how have you found that that has that di- does that differ a lot when you're writing a bag or approaching the two different types of patterns? Yes. Um, of course, for quilting, like if we're doing a, a curved PC and everything, you're going to have a template. But for bags, most of the times you're going to have a template. So that's the first thing that's very different. Um, it depends also because I do like the measure and cut type of patterns that you just sometimes use a circle to round the corners and stuff like that. That's easy. And that can approach any type of skill. But this being the first um, topic that I would approach when making bags, which is the the templates. I think when it comes to fabric choosing and and the size of the project, it differs a little bit because it's a much smaller project in general. So that makes it easier, at least for me, and quicker. But sometimes just because you're limited to choose, for example, two colors for the inside and outside or some handle detail or something, that can also revert and make it more difficult because I do like to have the option of broad choosing. (laughs) So when you tackle, um, you know, quilting and bag making, um, do you approach them quite differently? Like, for example, when it comes to choosing fabrics? Um. Yes, I try to... Um I try to have the bags less colorful than what my quilts are because I am a pretty color lover. And I just think that when, at least from what I have gotten from the shows as well, when people see a lot of colors in bags, they think it's for kids or for teenagers. And that's not the case. They're for anyone. And I just try to keep a little bit more... um, uh, let's say traditional, I call traditional because we, what we see at the stores and everything, it's just like a one color bag or vinyl products, which are mostly not printed. So that's the difference that I try to keep in mind, because if I was to choose everything for myself, everything would be super colorful. <laughs> um, you mentioned that you sew with vinyl, like, does that mean you'd have to use a different needle and sort of thread weight for that? I mean, I actually have not sewn with vinyl very often just because it's different. Yes. So you have to use a different needle. Some machines would not handle it because it's a thicker material. And uh, because it has like a plastic feel, sometimes it, the, the the teeth doesn't even feed through the machine. So, yeah, it's a very difficult people difficult process. People tend to use uh, industrial machines to work with vinyl. Yep. 
And so now that you've added in quilting into your business, what do you think, what would you estimate the ratio of bag making to quilting uh, these days for you? Oh, I definitely, I mean, just to, and on a small scale, I use to make nowadays 10 quilts and one bag. <laughs> that's, that's how small it is. Yeah. And, and I don't even make bags, bags. Um, I try to make like caddies, like the organizers and cases and stuff like that. But bags, yeah, it's been rare. Maybe I have made twice this year. Oh, <laughs> yeah. do you find yourself like using quilting scraps in your bag making? Oh, a lot. I a love lot. the patchwork um, style. So I do use a lot of scraps from, from quilting. And I'm sure that that's a huge hit as well uh, when it comes to, you know, selling those at shows. Yes, yes. People find it really different, but mm. it's also a little bit more complicated. Therefore, a little more expensive. Yeah, and for the yeah. shows that I participate, I try to keep it and on the level that I used to before COVID. Just so mm. I sell more. I'll, even though they're a little bit less because the quilting, we have to know how to value it. Mm, yeah, it's, it's always a tricky one. <laughs> yes. So what makes you keep coming back to quilting? Oh, I love all the different patterns. I mean, not only me, myself here with my, my design software, but I also love to see all the other designers because most of the times, which is the magic of quilting for me, I look at something, I'm like, man, I'm never going to do that. And that's awesome. I have to do that. You know what I mean? So I love this possibility of think about a million things in my mind. And then I go to your page or to your page and you have a million others that I would never think. So that I find that amazing. And with bags, it's pretty much just so common. Everything has a zipper, has a pocket, an outside pocket, and that's it. And then you have a flap or whatever. I mean, if you see in general, it is very likely that you're going to have a bag very looking like your friends, for example. And with quilting, that doesn't happen. So I love it. <laughs> so, you know, how would you describe, for, for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with your work, how would you describe your design style? I love the traditional design. And I have fallen in love with quilting when I was watching the videos, like I said, because I saw the old style and, you know, the things that are just common and people just change colors. Just like the traditional blocks, I'm saying. And then when I started doing this, uh, seeing all the approach for the modern call that the industry has nowadays, then I call myself now a modern, I mean, a, a traditional quilter with a modern twist. So that's what I try to do most of the times that I'm designing. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite traditional block pattern? Oh, I love these stars. And I think the sawtooth star is probably my favorite one. Can't go wrong with it. It's my, I secretly like that. <laughs> It's not a secret one day. I know. <laughs> I may have said it a couple of times on this podcast. <laughs> so over the last year or so, um, we've seen an increasing trend in blending bag making and quilting. Um, and even local quilt stores have been kitting up, uh, you know, bag um, patterns and kits for bags. Um, so for those that haven't tried bag making um, and there are a quilter that feels, you know, intimidated by it, um, what would you like them to know? Yes, I would say that the easiest thing I have noticed is to start with a project that there's no hardware because bag making is really known for that, to have zippers, to have uh, little D sessions and stuff that you need to adjust handles and all. And that can intimidate people. So, and by the way, I have a pattern, which is, I don't have many bag patterns yet uh, because I'm focusing on quilting nowadays, but I do have a bag pattern that's like a case set that there's absolutely no hardware on my shop. And that's a very easy one to start because you're literally working with 
fabric and batting. So it's like making a quilt, but you just cut to size and sew the parts together. So this is the first point that I would say. And second is, of course, just uh, watching YouTube videos, reading blogs, uh, books that has bag patterns. They pretty much start with like a basics and foundation of the bag making process. And this is what I have done in the past that has helped me a lot and I still do to this date. So these are the easiest ways you can approach it. And is there a particular YouTube channel that you'd recommend or maybe a blog for bag making beginners? I mean, um, I don't want to get uh, emotional, but I do love Melanie Ham. So I have always loved and I watched that until now. And I think her channel is the best. So I do recommend that. She has a lot of easy, easy, easy bags for any beginner to be successful. That's good to know. Because I always find, I always get tripped up at like the the hardware, obviously. Honestly. That's mm. just, it's so... It always looks messy. It just, I will, I'll admit it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's I saw, a mess. Yeah. I saw so many people with like backpacks and bags uh, this year at QuiltCon um, and I feel so jealous and I'm like, how did you make that? That looks so, that looks amazing, but it also looks really hard. Um, but now that you mentioned that I should go to YouTube, which I never do <laughs> or think about Monday. it. I know, right? It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Flower Sew Patterns has been around since 2017, and as we've discussed, it has evolved over the years. Uh, what is one piece of advice you would give someone, you know, or you could share with other small crafty business owners, especially in the quilting area or the bag making? Um, I would say that, first of all, don't be afraid of cutting your fabric, you know, you buy the fabric to cut it. <laughs> so just do it. And I know that quilting is a uh, quilting and bag making sometimes can get expensive. But one thing that I do um, to get to that point of cutting, because that's exactly how you're going to learn. You can read a million books, you can watch a million videos, but if you don't go and try and do it, it's likely that you're going to take longer. So my thing is going to thrift stores and have secondhand fabrics. I have, um, a lot of fabrics, okay? <laughs> and half of it is in storage now. We recently got a storage unit because of that. And I have a, a cabinet that is, it has six shelves and four of the shelves of this one cabinet is just my secondhand fabric that's so dear to me. And I love cutting into that because I don't feel bad. I mean, there are some that are vintage and I se separate those because they're just too beautiful or I know that they're really old and stuff like that. But otherwise, it's just an easy cheap way of uh, practicing. And that's how I, I got to make the best that I can, let's say, in terms of learning in a in a way that I can actually have hands-on. So this is what I would say. You have to go and cut it. <laughs> so we're now at the end of the year and we're thinking about the Neo, which is kind of scary to talk about <laughs> um, but uh, or think about. But um, do you have any sewing or closing goals or maybe some fun projects on the horizon that you're able to share with our listeners? Yes. So coming up, the first thing in January, I will be on issue 29 for New Jersey of Quilt Folk. And I'm so happy about it. Sometimes I don't even believe it yet, but it's really cool. So I hope That's you can so get cool. that issue to read a little bit about a little more about me and all the wonderful 14 people, 15, all of us on that issue. And then I will also have before the first half of the year ends. So by the end of May, I'll have seven new patterns just because I'm pushing myself a lot to wow. get this done. <laughs> yes. And it, they're going to be four baby quilt patterns, only baby wow. size. Mm -hmm. And I have three. There are 
um, throw size or bigger or different sizes also included. And I also have a set of placemats and a set of table runners. They're easier projects and quicker. So I really, I'm really excited and also a little bit anxious about it, but yes, it will happen. So you're going to see a lot of new things on my page. So that's good. (laughs) Well, it definitely will happen now that you've put it out in the world. Yeah. (laughs) We'll keep you accountable to that deadline. (laughs) Oh yes, I need it. (laughs) Um, so on that exciting note, it is time to move on to our rapid fire quilting questions. Are you ready, Daisy? Yes. Okay. Wendy, why don't you take us away? Okay. So what is your favorite time of day to sew? Uh, late afternoon when the sunlight's on my sewing machine. Oh, and where do you sew? Uh, in a spare room in my house. That's now my, my studio. And do you wear shoes while sewing? And if so, do you wear socks as well or no socks? <laughs> Most times, no shoes, but on winter, just socks. And what best describes your sewing speed? Lead pedal or slow and steady? Oh, I'm very fast. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a challenge. Yeah, I almost feel like, do you want to race? (laughs) (laughs) And um, music, Netflix, podcasts, or the sounds of silence while sewing? So that's funny. When I'm sewing, I like silence. But when I'm cutting, I like outbursting sounds. (laughs) And then I hear Pandora. Do you have a current favorite? Oh, of the songs, you mean? Of the songs, yeah, yeah. Uh, I like to hear gospel, but I also like to hear pink. So pink is my favorite radio. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) And uh, do you have a favorite snack while you're sewing? Oh, my God. The old school candy, the hard candy. I love going on that for hours and hours. Okay. Wait, is that an an actual brand? No, am I missing something? Oh, no, it's just old school hard candy. Yeah. Just 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 any hard candy type stuff? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, like, because I'm Australian. I'm like, like, sometimes I might miss American brands. (laughs) As long as it's really sweet. I'm like Googling and looking on Amazon and then find out that it's nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Wendy spends hours looking for... (laughs) Old school hard candy. (laughs) It's possible. Uh, Um, um, My turn. Yeah. (laughs) What is your favorite quilting technique? Oh, I love the traditional machine piecing. And what's one quilting technique that you'd like to try going into the new year? I want to try different shapes of English paper piecing because I have done just hexes mostly. So that would be cool. And what is one sewing pattern or project that's on the top of your to-make list? A quilted coat. And if you had any quilting superpower, what would you choose? Pressing, blocks, and quilt tops. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What would you rather do on a rainy day? Bag making or quilting? Oh, quilting. (laughs) And if you had to pick one mini quilt from your tile series, which one would you choose? That would be the lofty tile. It's like a three-color, super fast-making one. And what is your favorite quilting book? I love the Thousand Blocks by Quilt Makers. Lots of different techniques, but still on the traditional side. Oh, wait, hang on. So is it like a pattern book as well, or they only just show the Thousand Blocks? It's a pattern book. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I have the 500 rotary cutter one. It's a fantastic book. Oh. I can just spend oh. hours flipping through the, the, the pictures. I have the 500 quilt block book by Barbara Brackman. I think that's her. I think I have a different um, one. But yeah, I, I like that book too. Like from time to time, like when I just want like a 
traditional inspired modern yeah. foot block, but yeah. Get anyway. the thousand one. You're gonna love it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, ooh, a thousand upgrade. Anyway, sorry, I don't uh, just print all solid fabrics. All solid fabrics. And who is your favorite fabric designer? Laurie Hote. What sewing notion couldn't you live about? Oh, the sewing clips. The, the little sews? clover, the wonder yes, clips. Wonder oh, clips. Those are so good. good. Um, so expensive. Um, I bought them on sale once. I feel it's one of my proudest purchase moments. Um, what is your favorite part of the quilt making process? I do love quilting, but I think I love binding even more because it gives me the sense of completion, of course. <laughs> and what is your least favorite part of the quilt making process? Pressing. <laughs> <laughs> and what is one bad quilting habit you wish you could give up? Oh, my God. Um, I don't remember the last time I changed my needle. <laughs> <laughs> and who's your quilty crush? A Lori Holt. I love, I love all the things that she does in the fabrics and all. And what is your favorite recent make? I like making mini quilts. They're fast and they're cute. And how many projects are in your work in progress pile now? Um, I would say the minimum six. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, outside the sewing room, do you have any other interests or hobbies? I love cooking. And of course, I love eating too. I love <laughs> watercolors and I love loom knitting. That's one thing that I, because I like the whole knitting stuff and crocheting, but I can't do it. Um, just because, I mean, it hurts my hand. I don't know if the carpal tunnel or whatever. But the loom knitting is something that I tried years ago. And I love it. And I really want to get back to it. It's just an easier thing. You use the loom and you barely move your hand. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, I feel like I need to Google this. Gonna be, <laughs> do I need to start up a new hobby? Wendy, <laughs> you just took up crochet. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we now have um, just one more question for you. So who are three accounts you think everyone should be following and why okay so i have a fellow brazilian girl that she's great with foundation paper piecing it's gabby from tomte.studio so that's the first one the second one Lori holt um my uh, favorite designer that i have said just because her projects are so inspirational if you like the traditional quilting and the third one um I have Leslie Stortz because I collect pincushions and she makes pincushions for sale. And also she works with English paper piecing and it's just beautiful. She knows she has a, like an eye for colors for printed fabrics. So these three accounts are really great. I really love the variety of different techniques uh, each of your accounts focus. And I really like Tom Tay Studios FPV projects. Like I follow, I follow that account and I really like it. It's great. I like the pincushion. Rack. I always feel like I need a good pincushion. What about your Zirkle magnetic pins? <laughs> well, no, I love that pincushion, but then I always keep some pins and like needles, like my uh, hand sewing needles. I don't put those oh. on the Zirkle because they kind of get lost amongst yeah, yeah. the Yeah, yeah. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Are you hinting at me that you want that for Christmas? Yes, please, like Wendy. a handmade one for yep. me? I, would like, I, would I was like just going to say that. Okay, Wendy. Yeah, yeah Wendy. Gonna, maybe we're going to get you. Christmas present. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
So on that note, we need to wrap today up and we hope that you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to contact any of us, we can most easily be found on our Instagram accounts. I'm at Broadcloth Studio. Wendy. I'm at the.weekendquilter. And Daisy. I am at Daisy Togo. D-A-I-S-I-T-O-E-G-E-L. <laughs> or you can go to our podcast account at quilt.buzz or our website, quiltbuzzpodcast.com for our previous episodes and updates on upcoming guests. If you enjoyed today's show, we hope that you subscribe to the podcast and tell your quilty friends about us too. And if you have a moment to share what you love by writing a review on your podcast provider of choice, it would make our day. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.